Bonji, bonjour, hello folks. Welcome to Research Time. I am so excited to begin this week as it is the fourth week of the season and I have such a wonderful and special educator who will be joining us today. How are you? I'm good, how are you? Well, thank you. So again, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, but of course, before we get started with our wonderful conversation, it's really important to recognize the land that you and I are both situated upon. Um, so with that, I'm just going to begin today with a land acknowledgement. Um, so wonderful. So you and I are both situated on Treaty 7 of the Nisitepi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy, which belongs to Siksaga, Ganae, Bagani, uh, Sitena, uh, Stony Nokora, Yahinokora also, uh, and uh, Métis Nation Region 3, which, uh, which I'm a member of. Me too. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> so, so very much a humbling and wonderful honor to be able to hold this conversation not only with such a wonderful educator like yourself, but in the spirit of reconciliation with our heritage, with our roots, and hopefully with our ancestors uh, looking in on us and hopefully doing them proud, I certainly hope. So um, with that, <laughs> I'm sure we are. <laughs> so with that, Maria, I'm so happy that you're joining me today. And uh, with this conversation, um, so you and I, we've had a very beautiful, wonderful history together, I believe. And yeah, <laughs> it's been wonderful. And, and uh, you and I, we met uh, in first year university, uh, being in 2014. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, sorry, that, wow. Yeah, 2014. So six years of our lovely friendship. Um, and within that year, you and I were, uh, were together for a project with Jody. Um, and in that course, you and I became critical friends forever, which is <laughs> FF. <laughs> so thanks to Jody, she brought us together with that. <laughs> it's just, it's so, it's so beautiful to see like, how connections and relationships can just be so much more than where we're at. And I think the university experience really just allowed that to occur. And I think that's just so beautiful and so wonderful. So with that, you graduated, I graduated. We were both still pursuing fabulous educations uh, in the realm of education. So with that, I would love for you to introduce yourself, what you're all about, your interests, anything you'd like to share with the viewers today. Okay. Well, hello, my name is Maria. I, I have a passion for education. I love being able to educate the youth, um, answer questions. I thrive on questions. Um, my passions include, I love listening to music, being outside, um, trying to master Bannock. <laughs> uh, quarantine and lockdown and um, COVID has allowed me to practice a lot. <laughs> Um, still not as good as my kukum, but hopefully one day I'll get there. Um, <laughs> but we'll see. Um, and yeah, I just I just love being able to pursue activities wherever they are. Like I like going out with friends. I like going out with family. I like um, doing podcasts. <laughs> things. I am. I got yeah. Lust for life. So mm. yeah, I'm all over the place and. That's, that's me. 
Well, you're fabulous. And I really do appreciate uh, being able to hold this conversation with you because I also know how passionate you are, especially within the topic that you and I will be unpacking together. So I, I could not imagine more of a perfect person to hold this conversation with. So I'm really honored and really excited. Thank you. That is so sweet. <laughs> Emotional. <laughs> Thank you. I'm oh, absolutely to be here too with you and being able to do this. And you're such a great conversational leader. You make people feel welcome and wanting to talk about things that are important and meaningful conversations. So I'm very happy to be here as well. So thanks for inviting me. You're very welcome. Very happy. Very happy to hold this conversation with you. So folks, what we will be unpacking today is is a wonderful resource brought to you by Maria. She was the one to um, honor it today, which I'm really excited about being able to unpack it with her because I think it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, so with this in mind, uh, our topic today is talking about the circle of courage, trademark, uh, holding <laughs> the courage <laughs> to enact indigagogy uh, into your educational practice and again folks indigagogy is the connection of indigenous pedagogy together so with that um, Maria I would love for you if it's okay uh, for you to discuss our chosen resource and what's it all about perfect so the circle of courage was actually a resource that we got in university uh, it was something that was brought up I guess sort of briefly it wasn't really touched on super in depth but it was just a I guess like a resource that was made available to us uh, when we were teacher candidates and be on how to uh, I guess move forward in the act of reconciliation of indigenous ways of knowing and being and um, integrating that into the classroom but I always found that I could integrate that into my life as well and that even though that the resource is based off of a book called Reclaiming Youth at Risk, um, and it was released way back in 1990, so yes, it's been trademarked. <laughs> um, and I decided that it's still applicable today, and it's applicable to all people of all ages who live in community with others, and not just for educational purposes and things like that. So. Um, even though it has a target audience in mind for educators and with, with targeted students or youth, um, I find that it's flexible and malleable and able to be integrated for all walks of life. So yeah, we're going to be talking about that today. Um, basically, the resource is set up in four quadrants with four different spirits and it kind of mimics the medicine wheel. Um, so that's a very brief overview and I know we're gonna get into discussing each of those quadrants together and what we find interesting and things like that but that's basically what the circle of courage is um, and the four quadrants we have are the spirit of generosity mastery independence and oh my gosh what's the last one power is it power generosity belonging belonging there we go thank you yes belonging so we'll be unpacking that together and i'm very excited because i i also think that this uh particular resource is really applicable for folks who are really starting their journey of connecting to reconciliation within their practice and using indigagogy within their practice too I think it's so beautiful because you're able to really make personal connections to it. And that 
influences practice when you make personal connections it helps you as an educator so that's why i think this framework can offer so many beautiful and astonishing opportunities for educators to then take it up with their class and it will not only affect their practice but it will positively affect their children so i think this is such a phenomenal resource to be able to bring in again thank you so much for for being able to offer it today marie i really do appreciate it of course i would want to do with anyone else <laughs> Awesome. So what did you find interesting about the resource? Let's unpack this. So I guess what caught my attention right away when we were introduced this resource would definitely be um, its connectedness. So much like everything, like I find that, you know, we're all connected some way, whether we're connected to each other or um, the earth, things like that. Um, the particular piece, like I mentioned, was connected to the medicine wheel so it kind of mimics that and for those who are kind of unaware of what a medicine wheel is it's basically in simplest terms it's just a metaphor for a variety of spiritual concepts um, and in this case like I said the four concepts we have were generosity belonging independence and mastery um, and of course how this relates to children and I guess our life and things like that so basically um, you know children are so special to this world and the fact that we get to spend so much time with them as educators is I like it's one of the greatest blessings during such a transformative and developmental stage in their life it's such a gift so to watch them grow and mature and make good decisions or guide them through tough ones is remarkable um, as we know indigenous communities always cherish children and treat them with great respect and so I just couldn't believe how it took something that the Indigenous communities held as a philosophy and then be able to integrate that in a modern way. So, mm. um, yeah, and I am just over the moon about it. So, yeah. Is there anything you'd want to add on to that of what you found interesting about it? I, the only word that came to mind was gorgeous. I just think it's absolutely gorgeous to, to be able to create and to be able to support such a beautiful, almost practice and mindset into this notion is really just gorgeous because what it can allow for is again, so many opportunities for not only self-reflection, but reflection of others in community and what that actually means to be a good and strong and healthy community all together and within your classroom. That's where that community can be foundational and that's where it can be really important to nourish and to grow and to to provide that and honor your your gifts and gifts being children because they are really highly revered within our communities. So again, I, I also noticed the medicine wheel. Um, I did appreciate mm -hmm. you sharing sharing your, your notions with and I think that with the medicine wheel too, what it also offers is balance and balance is medicine. So when you're completely balanced as an individual within your emotional, your mental, your physical and your spiritual selves, which is all the representations of the medicine wheel, when you're balanced, it allows for so much, again, opportunity to then share yourself with community and community to then be able to respond and to also feel healed then too. And that's why this model and the the circle of cur courage is balance and medicine so i think it's really beautiful and impactful and honestly quite emotional uh, i i i'm already kind of getting like i feel very excited <laughs> by by talking about this and i think that this 
model can honestly offer so many beautiful nourishments for classroom environments. And I feel like if educators were comfortable, again, comfortability being key here, to be able to take this model up with their students, hopefully yours and my conversation today can support educators to feel comfortable with being able to take this up because I think that this can be extremely useful, extremely beneficial, and hopefully just healing for for the class but also for the educator themselves too so yeah that's that's kind of what i found that's what i feel that's what i hope our conversation can also support. like i feel like that this is really notable and really important conversation so yeah that's that's kind of my impactment in that way so let's get into the quadrants and what the quadrants represent because I'm, I'm interested to see what <laughs> it's all about even further you know so with that um what does the spirit of generosity which is one of the quadrants within the circle of courage uh so what does the spirit of generosity foundation virtue mean so directly speaking with the circle of courage it provides a definition and for each of the uh, foundations in there so i've been I, I took those definitions and the research that was provided behind each of those quadrants um, as, I guess, as part of the background knowledge into how I started approaching to use this in my pedagogy and in my life. So I will be reading the definition provided from the resource itself. Um, the definition it has for spirit of generosity is that character is cultivated by concern for others so that the child can say, I have a purpose for my life. And I really appreciate how they took all this research and broke it down and gave a sentence or an affirmation for the student to say or a child to say. So that virtue of I have a purpose for my life is super powerful. Um, and then it goes on how a student can um, go, go forward with that. So it says to teach the importance of being generous and unselfish. In the words of a Lakota elder, you should be able to give away your most cherished, cherished, cherished possession without your heart beating faster. In helping others, youth create their own proof of worthiness and they make a positive contribution to another human life. So, so much to unpack there. Um, there's a lot of just raw emotion that comes from, I think, the spirit um, and how being generous is something that is a virtue we try to instill in children that's not regulated by a government curriculum. It's part of what I like to call of an idea, or I guess an idea called the hidden curriculum. And it's actually something that, that's a term I coined off of my grade 12 high school teachers. Um, but, I was wondering what it's all about because I noticed it within the notes and I was just like, yeah. what is that? I love this already. Like, can you, can you explain what the hidden curriculum is? Okay, so actually, this is this is something I gathered off of my grade 12 high school English teacher's Tumblr page, <laughs> and he's called himself the hidden. The, he's called himself like the hidden curriculum. And then when I asked him what that meant, like after I graduated high school and I knew I wanted to pursue a background in education, he had explained to me that he had he has this idea of what the hidden curriculum is, and that's teaching students or kind of like helping guide students um, in decisions or virtues or morals that isn't that kind of comes about 
through lessons or mm. that wasn't really on the daily agenda but is a teachable moment in sort of those areas so the hidden curriculum is something that's almost unplanned for but appears i guess out of conversation or out of feedback out of assessment and it's something that is in the moment but is super meaningful and usually has a positive impact on a student's life and so it can be anything along the lines of like i said morals um choices hard decisions um accomplishments any sort of thing that isn't directly associated with an outcome but it happened to be one so mm. that is kind of what the hidden curriculum is i hope that i hope i explain that well <laughs> so. it's the person behind the 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 student is what the hidden curriculum then is all about it's the character development it's the yes. it's the it's the individual and what the individual can be as a person and that's what a teacher is supposed to nourish to get yeah. them to where they need to go to then enact the actual curriculum set by provincial entities mm -hmm. right so yeah. i i see that's gorgeous again let's just such a i love that concept i'm sorry i just really wanted you to unpack it because i feel like a lot of folks they they might not be aware of that term and it's a really fun term because that's really it hey like it is hidden because as educators that's not told to us when we're going through like teacher candidacy <laughs> like we're not told about this but we we know it to be true anyways we just kind of do it right mm -hmm. so for it to be talked about even within teacher education or within our conversation tonight i think that it can offer a lot of awareness and how much it actually means to be an educator and an educator holistically is also catering to the needs of students personally and i think that's really important that's beautiful thank you thank you um again yeah generosity so then so then the hidden curriculum is a notion with the generosity and and um yeah feel free yeah. okay yeah no worries i can i i just i i have a lot to say i feel like in all of, in all of the quadrants but um i guess to to start somewhere very basic uh we know that you know helping others should or you know normally makes us feel good so being generous is something that i feel like humans are have innately within us like we just want to be generous it makes us feel good to help others and be able to um i guess make sacrifices for each other and that kind of thing i mean how long it takes a person to recognize this about themselves or to feel this or if they do ever end up being that kind of person is up to them but i i am in complete awe of people who are so generous it like hurts like um there are there are people who can do exactly what the lakota elder mentioned where it says she to quote said to be able to give away your most cherished possession possession without your heart beating faster like that is a statement and that i I have truly resonated with and it's a state of being that I'm actively working towards every day because it is something that I personally don't know if I'm there yet um you know it's something that I carry with me in life and in the classroom where sometimes we must remember that our most cherished cherished possessions it's so hard to say those words together <laughs> but our most cherished cherished possessions isn't always material things right. but they can be things like our time our thoughts 
and our energy and especially right. as a teacher those those three different um i guess compartments of ourselves are exhausted daily um and you know one can even argue that being a teacher is one of the most generous acts that you can you can have you know with everything that goes into teaching not that we have time for that <laughs> but you know but and you know and it's interesting because we know that being selfish is also part of just being a kid like it's just mm. you no know, so how do we wrestle with the notion that um we know it's healthy to be selfish to an, to a point where we don't exhaust ourselves um of our spirit but also know that there's so much truth in the altruism of what we want to hopefully provide students with the opportunity to grow in and experience so mm-hmm. um bringing it back to that art of balance that you were saying that's, right. that's healing you know that how, how do we enact that art of balance so that we all can master this spirit of generosity is something i find truly compelling so yeah i don't that's kind of where my thoughts are along that yeah. spirit of generosity because i feel like it's something that we can always develop right I I agree and I think that you know as as we uh provide children with education as educators it's really important for us to also acknowledge where we're personally at within the quadrants to right like what we mean what we want uh generosity to mean what we want ba- uh belonging to mean what we want all of these notions to mean for ourselves we need to unpack that first before we are then able to then unpack that with our youth right with our gifts mm-hmm. with our children so that's that's really important with this whole quadrancy i think as number 1 um but then secondly with this i i equate generosity also to how you are supporting community i think mm-hmm. and i i think about what it means to really be generous and i think with being able to share your voice when others need to be heard and really ensure that the other voices are coming to the forefront of being spoken to that's what um using your privilege i think is really key here in uh really important places to be able to do it so i think with kids and teaching generosity i think it's really important to unpack privilege and i think it's also really important to unpack allyship and what that actually means for communities because as communities for us to support and be generous with our time and be generous in general to give to support it's important to unpack what other folks are going through or what other communities are going through and how we can make this world a better place Um I always think that I I it's just one of those things like leave this place better than how it was left for you. And yeah. With everything going on right now, I think that's really <laughs> important to to be able to continue that that conversation and that messaging because mm-hmm. we don't want this land to be, you know, riddled with um with 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 warms we want this world to be able to be sustained for generations and generations and generations to come so for us to be generous as individuals we have to think about our community and we have to think about people who are with us within that community so um i always i always like talking about the caring society um not only because i'm biased and and i'm able to um 
work with some of the individuals from the society, but but with this, I think that their campaigns are so important with this conversation of generosity. And with what is occurring uh, currently with uh, Indigenous youth in particular, uh, because the the um, the Karen Society is an organization run out of Ottawa. However, it is national, so so folks can take up campaigns wherever they are. And cool. uh, what the what the society does is that they provide campaigns and resources to educators, but also to Indigenous families uh, on various locations, whatever whatever it is. Um, about Shannon's dream, which is advocacy for safe and comfy schools. Uh, they also bring up uh, I Am A Witness, which is advocacy for welfare for youth. And also Jordan's principle, which also, again, uh, kind of brings the forefront of uh, youth and welfare to um, ensure that that is uh, accounted for, uh, advocated for effectively per uh, reservations uh, of 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 youth going through the welfare system and ensuring that they get the access to uh, the services that they need. So it's it's a major organization. I think youth in this case can take up generosity with being able to advocate for their brothers, for their sisters, for their friends, for their families, for, for the folks who are in need. And I think in taking up these campaigns, they could potentially support this quadrant. And I think with action really does support this quadrant That's specifically a role they can take you know and they will be ex exhausting you know their time and their resources and that is generous and you know that is a way to put theory into practice you know you have those ideas of being someone who's like okay i want to be able to contribute i want to be able to give back i want to be able to you know be a part of a movement and then i think that's you know that's a great example of how you can be someone who is actively taking a role and you know and doing something purposeful and it will make you feel good and then that's kind of like you know that innate feeling of you know people want to do things to help others because it also makes us feel good to know that we're making a difference and right. supporting each other so that's incredible I didn't know about all of that and I mm -hmm. definitely Writing that down about <laughs> what I want to talk about. <laughs> I'll, I'll share with you. Definitely that out. So thanks uh, for that info. I will be. You know, you're teaching me so many things. Oh, <laughs> and you are too. Thank you. And it's it's a it's a beautiful, beautiful organization. And I recommend all educators to really uh, look into what they do, what they advocate for, and how they support indigenous youth and also just uh just being able to be supportive of community so i think it's really gorgeous and i think with your notion again with hidden curriculum i think that's really key here too because that is talking about the personal that is talking about the how do we get children to feel empathy how do we get them to that place right so i think enacting and taking action can support generosity can support the hidden curriculum and being able to to offer that I totally agree. And the hidden curriculum is, is kind of something that I feel is part of that connectedness that I was talking about or what I found so interesting is that you can pull so many resources, you can pull so many acts of um, kindness and involvement into all of these quadrants. And that is something, you know, that the hidden curriculum will pop up, I feel like, in every single quadrant. So, um, yeah, I can't wait to see how we can expand on that in the next quadrant. Me too. <laughs> I, I just love how this is already the first one and we have so much. Just, it's, it's gorgeous.
Yeah, there's a lot. Um, of there's so much. <laughs> Fabulous. Okay. Okay. Well, if you'd like, then I'm going to uh, transition us into this, the second quadrant we'll be unpacking today. Um, and that would be the spirit of belonging. And if you'd like that foundation, if you want to just describe the foundation, the same thing that kind of I did about the definition that because that, like I said, it is basically or that is based how based on the research and stuff like that that's provided into the resource. Um, but the foundation for this one is the significance. So if you would like to go forth with that and give us your thoughts, happy, fabulous. Absolutely. Um, so the definition provided for spirit of belonging is the universal uh, longing for human bonds is cultivated by relationships of trust so that the child can say, I am loved. That's gorgeous. The significance of what is nurtured in communities is belonging, so that's key. So again, the the uh, a Lakota uh, anthropologist uh, again from the resource uh, uh, talks again about um, uh, and sorry, this Lakota anthropologist is named uh, Ella Deloria. Uh, Describe the core value of belonging in these simple words: be related somehow to everyone you know. Mm -hmm. I like that. I really like that. Treating others as kin forges powerful social bonds that will draw all into relationships of respect. So it's uh, it's really connective. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And it's like, and every time I read those like definitions again or those examples from the, like elders or anthropologists, every time I'm like, oh gosh, it just like hits. It hits every time, you know, where you're kind of like it impacts you, I feel like. And at different stages in your life, these are always going to maybe mean different things or it's going to mean it's going to impact you in a different way. Then, you know, if I read this in a year from now, it might mean something different to me than it mm -hmm. does now. So that's something else that I really find that's awesome about the resources just grows with you. So yeah. what does belonging then mean to you within your practice? I think it's that every single child has a place within the classroom, every single, it's, it's very comparable to communities in general where every single individual has a part to play in order to ensure community is, is, is um, getting to the place where it needs to get to. So it's, it's positive, it's healthy, it's at a place where we want it to be. And I think that every single child also inside the classroom has a part to play. Mm -hmm. And through that part to play allows for belonging. So, oh, I feel important because this is my role. Oh, I feel important because this is my role. This is how I feel secure within myself. And this is how I feel confident about myself because I know I have a part to play. So I'm gonna play it, I'm gonna do it. And I am going to, exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think as an educator, to be able to, you know, partake that notion within your practice is really important because I know that with some classes, some students have duties to do within the class, you know, like the, the classroom. Yeah, I think that can offer senses of belonging, but also what does it mean to be in a good community together? So potentially creating a safe space kind of um, rules of engagement with each other could offer, again, a really beautiful sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, so um, so what does respect mean to you? Okay, this is how it looks like to me, this is how it looks like to me, this is how it looks like to me. Fabulous, let's 
keep that in our hearts and in our minds and let's be able to offer that to every single individual within the classroom. Mm -hmm. So that kind of notion really does play along with belonging, um, at least to me. But then another another place where we get to that beautiful um, notion of, of community building and getting to that strong place of community in general it's interesting because rather than Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I actually take it to where it originated. And I take it to Six Siga, uh, which, is, which is where it actually originated. And Maslow visited the community and took it up. And instead of taking on the uh, individualization of the nation, um, instead let's turn it back to the nation of what the nation actually regarded it as, to their own teachings, to their own ideology of what it actually means to get to the place of self-actualization, which is at the lowest level, by the way. It's not at the highest, because Maslow flipped it. He put it at the, uh, the highest place of where we need to get to, right. but rather, that's not it. That's not how community should be built. It should be individual first. Understand who you are, your places, your belonging, and how that all, you know, how that works. Mm -hmm. And then you get to the next level. And the next level is talking about community, understanding community. You're getting to that place of community, understanding everyone's roles, to then get to the place of community prosperity. And that's where we want our kids to get to. And with this visual representation, it was taken up by Cindy Blackstock, who is organizational leader of the Caring Society. <laughs> She is an amazing woman, basically, is, oh is what it's coming down to. <laughs> like, I, it's phenomenal what the work that she does and inhibits within these practices for educators is astonishing. So uh, the way in which that this model is actually based off of is the teepee and how the teepee needs to get to the place of the highest to reach the sky. And that's what we want our kids to also get to, too, in order for them to get there. They have to think about the, the community. They have to think about it through that holistic way rather than the self. Even though the self is important, they should be able to unpack the self first. So again, belonging, what does it mean to belong as a community? You have to be able to unpack it for yourself first to then get to those places within the levels. And to get to that place of community prosperity again, you have to really be able to unpack it first with yourself, with the community around you to then get to that level. So that's how I interpreted um, this. And I think with educators to be able to take that up within their classroom, that's actually not as a difficult conversation, but as a very reflective conversation. And you can actually take that up as an inquiry project too, if you really want to. I think that's really beautiful and gorgeous if you want to do it that way. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really, resonated with when you said you know we have to be able to unpack ourselves first and, and I find it quite interesting and how it makes so much sense that the very bottom piece of that pyramid or like the the parallel of the teepee would be self-actualization first because I feel like we are used to uh, being told that you know it is good to be aware of yourself but also to be aware of others you know we we are always instilling in children to be aware of each other's space of each other's things of each other's you know keep your hands to yourself you know that kind of thing um and so i find that yeah maybe it can be a little bit overlooked to to self-actualize from a young age because i feel like it's very something we're aware of now where 
we tell children all the time something that I feel like we all need to hear and that's plain and simply like that you matter um, and so I like to remind myself when I um, enter a classroom that I'm not here to just teach the curriculum you know created and determined by someone who won't be creating and delivering the lessons that I will be um, <laughs> but rather that I'm like here to help mold people um, mm. and that these children are going to enter a world that isn't going to ask them about their fifth grade or 11th grade curriculum knowledge but you know they're going to enter a world that asks them you know how are you a leader and you know how do you contribute to your workplace how are you contributing to your communities and and to others and things like that and to contribute in prosperity like you said up top you have to be able to self-actualize first and that is something that i didn't i didn't realize that it had such a strong background and roots in this you said six ago um yeah that is incredible i did not know that i'm totally fascinated by that um and so you know as a society we like to place a lot of stress on like social emotional bonding and on social emotional availability you know and how can we rise to these questions and requests when we feel like we're maybe even losing this bond or when we don't know how to self-reflect or we don't know how to take accountability for ourselves and things like that um because i feel like sometimes we are moving away from those bonds just especially you know COVID times is also, I feel like, quite a bit of a barrier on that, um, you know, and the invasion of technology and things like that. But, you know, we still try to build lasting and meaningful relationships of trust where we can stay and like hopefully help children be able to realize I am loved, um, you know, and for them to be able to say that and realize, okay, I am supported. I do feel like I belong. I feel like I have a purpose and all these things. And so it's really important for them to be able to believe it to be true. And so I feel like this is also when we think about school, how important it is for kids to be a part of clubs and um, extracurricular activities and all these other, I guess, um, outside, I guess like things like outside of the classroom, but still related to your community. And once again, it's brought on and provided by the generous teachers giving up more yeah. of their time and their resources yeah. you know, to be with the school children still. So, you know, I think that the sense of belonging helps forge positive self-worth and self-esteem and it equips students how to forge healthy relationships. You have a habit, if you know how to be healthy to yourself, you know how to be healthy and, and engage healthily with others mm. as well. So. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting how that sense of belonging and starting with yourself first can just only spiral you forward, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, that's, I feel like, I feel like those are really great integration of each other. So I think so thought. too. <laughs> oh, you too. Thank you. I think it's, uh, it's beautiful of the power of self and how it can really impede beautiful change for community. And that's what we want our kids to get at the end of the day. And in order to get to that place of community, you do have to feel belonging. And you do have to feel that you are loved and that you're cared for and you're a part of this just and as much as anyone else. You know, we have to model that as teachers. We have to be able, you know, we see these children all day, every day. 
and they absorb so much <laughs> and more than we probably give them credit for yeah. and so we have to be able to be comfortable with ourselves too and realize you know i don't know everything or i am comfortable saying i was wrong and i'm comfortable to mm. that taking that self account that accountability and then you know hopefully students can see the mod the role modeling that we're doing for them to say oh it's okay to make mistakes and you know it's okay that i didn't really know that or i i um or that i made a mistake and i now have to fix it but i'm going to be forgiven because it's something that i'm growing and you know so i feel like yeah it's really awesome that when we have that self actualization that we can model that for our students and they can hopefully just keep learning in our footsteps and things like that so yeah yeah that's oh, awesome. lovely <laughs> <laughs> lovely okay and then we have our next uh, quadrant here um so this allows for the spirit of independence so what does the spirit of independence foundation power mean all right i'm excited about this one because i feel like the spirit of independence is something that i really personally resonate with but before i like totally hop into it i will give the definition of what's provided so uh the provided definition for spirit of independence is free will is cultivated by responsibility so that the child can say i have the power to make decisions um that is something that i feel is so applicable to any child of any age um and even into their adult life um and the research behind that is it says that power in western culture was based on dominance but in tribal traditions it meant respecting the right of foreign dependence in so in contrast to obedience models of discipline um the indigenous teachings were designed and built around respect and to teach inner discipline um so from earliest childhood the children were encouraged to make decisions solve problems and show personal responsibility which is something i feel like is so deep <laughs> you know and to and to be able to believe that that a child can have that responsibility you know to to have that faith in a child to say i totally think that you are able to handle that within yourself is something once again i feel like we don't give children enough credit for that we don't um we or maybe we don't give them the freedom to explore that because we mm -hmm. want to make sure that they that we're helping mold them as well as adults but yeah and anyways like there's so much that can go into it but spirit of independence is something i'm very excited to uh dissect so ah well i'm excited <laughs> to to further learn like what what it means to you within your practice oh yeah for sure so um i feel like I feel like the spirit of independence is something that's popped up so much in even in in our teacher candidacy, you know, being able to tell and provide opportunities for students to be self-directed, you know, have self-directed learning, be able to self-reflect on assessments and, you know, be able to have personal feedback or to provide feedback to others and things like that. But I just feel like we hear that all the time as teachers is you need to foster independence in your students. Like we hear it all the time. and i feel like i say it a lot too i know i when i was uh had i mean pre covid when we were teaching more in person all the time i feel like i would and tell students you know oh good job being a self directed learner today or a good job just taking taking on that um 
homework by yourself or you know oh you really stepped up today to help somebody without them asking you were able to like read the room like you know you were taking that personal responsibility um but i feel like we encourage students to make decisions on their own but what happens when they make a bad decision you know a quote unquote <laughs> bad decision right. you know ultimately it, you know what happens to them usually sometimes the students maybe get reprimanded if they make a bad decision but we but i feel like i mean ultimately it boils down to the teacher and of course the severity of that said bad decision but i find that there there's a discrepancy between um the model where we're saying that we should allow students to have this power to say i i have the power to make my own decisions um and when we actively give students that ability but if they make what we call a bad decision and um how sometimes they they aren't supported but they're rather kind of like we kind of they're treated in a way that's you know you did a bad thing versus mm. versus you know you made a mistake. Right. And so I have found that more and more students are almost afraid to make mistakes or to take that leap of faith to say yeah. that I've made this decision for myself because of this reason. Um and I find that it's also like a societal thing that they have a lot of pressure to always do the right thing and be a good mm. person and to yeah. you know the pressure uh, to to be perfect and all these things. um that they don't want to suffer the consequences of doing something wrong also because it's em- embarrassing or um you know they feel like they won't be forgiven or they have to apologize and students have a hard time maybe even apologizing in general they don't know how to say sorry but also to know mm. that and to know um the impact of an of a true and sincere apology and how that can mend you know comp- like decisions and things like that um but we must remind ourselves that students just like just like life will bounce back <laughs> you know everything will bounce back and um i find that that is because the spirit uh places a huge emphasis on you know guidance without interference and um i like to parallel this with in- inquiry learning so um i find that inquiry learning as a teacher is beautiful because it really really exemplifies that mantra of i have the power to make decisions because it really holds the children accountable for their learning and when children are empowered by being able to choose how they're learning or how they can show what they've learned by demonstrating their strengths um they get excited and you know tapping into those to, to the you know gardner's multiple intelligences this is where we really get to see students show off and and this that's one of my favorite things about being a teacher is being able to give students choice is very nerve-wracking for them but then when they feel that self-assurance and you know that confidence like it is incredible just to see the students basically light up like that <laughs> that shine is something that is irreplaceable like that moment as when you see a student all of a sudden just the lights go on and they are in flow and they are in their CPD and they're just going and they're ready like oh my god I feel bumps like I just you know like and, 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 and as a teacher you're kind of like oh I set that up for them I was able to set the student up for success and they and they felt confident to make that decision and 
you know, that is something that will go with them throughout their entire life um, mm -hmm. as they, you know, learn to trust themselves and to know that they must grow through what they go through. So, um, yeah, just be, that is just kind of like how I want to be able to, I guess, round that off because the spirit of independence is just one that I love to foster into students and I try to role model that one just I think also because that's when I feel most comfortable with myself mm -hmm. I feel like I went through and I think it's because I also had a guided uh, teacher one time especially in high school tell me all the time you need to trust yourself you've made mm -hmm. a right decision because I was self I was always self-doubting you know did I do this right did I follow this right and I and I was very nervous or apprehensive to to make mistakes and so this just because I I kind of had that experience where I struggled a lot and then I had someone tell me you have the power to make the right decisions and you have made the right decisions yeah. it's something that I internalize and want to be able to provide again and with students and to be able to tell them that so anyways that's kind of like my long spiel on the spirit of independence and the, how that virtue has changed my life and how I hopefully can instill that into students and things like that. But I'm, I'm curious to see what how you un unpacked it, the spirit of independence and how, you know, that's in affected your pedagogy and philosophy and things like that. So please, please tell me. <laughs> I really, first, I just want to say thank you for just sharing your experiences also as a learner, but then also as an educator too. I think it's really beautiful to also reflect on ourselves. Uh, within these ways too because we were learners like we still are learners even to this day like we're still learning so 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 much about you know what it means uh, to really enact these notions within our classes and within our own personal practice so I really do want to say thank you so much for, for just sharing that and honestly when when I when I also because uh, folks when when we do these podcasts we also prepare in advance so like just so you know we do our research like we ensure that this is all um, appropriately done and, and ethically done too but but when I was reading your response there wasn't too much I actually added as comments because I just really wanted to listen I think because everything that you wrote were things that I also felt and I thought that was so perfect because that is really the brilliance of independence is really fostering an environment where your kids can make mistakes but how are you then going to treat them when they make those mistakes how are you going to make it better for them when they make those mistakes how are you going to ensure that they may have made a mistake but how are they going to be stronger tomorrow you know so how do we foster that for our kids and the way that you phrased it is just so so beautiful to me because it's the choice. At the end of the day, it still comes down to choice. So what does that choice then mean to them? And how do they develop that choice? And, and as an educator, it's important to foster environments where kids can make decisions, where they can make those choices. And that's why I also agree, I think inquiry learning and inquiry opportunities can really foster that gorgeous environment. And especially when you make those um, inquiry um, experiences holistic mm -hmm. really meeting the kids where they're at like emotionally mentally spiritually physically like that's where you've really hit it as as an inquiry based educator because i think that's really engaging the kid where they're at so whatever choice they make 
will really allow them to insert themselves into their learning, their practice. And again, it's that notion of of independence. How am I going to independently make this choice? How am I going to independently um, complete my assignment? How am I going to independently learn from this then too, right? So it's really, it's really gorgeous. And, and so thank you again, just thank you for, for, for all of those beautiful notions because it is exactly what I would have said, honestly. So, so thank you. I, I just, and and um yeah and i also i also think when it comes to to this is just my my personal insertion though but i think when it does come to independence i think self-reflection is really important so what is that environment going to look like then for a teacher to offer self-reflection um whether if it's in a positive or negative way what because those could also look very different too um but how as an educator are you going to offer again that safe space for your child to really honor their independence and in order to do that they again need to off offer that self-reflection and that self-reflection practices to be able to get themselves to where they need to go again connecting to the other quadrant with community how is that going to connect to community that's what i'm saying <laughs> 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 it's key it's key and that's the beauty again of of the circles because everything's connected everything's just so beautifully connected yeah wow everything you say is so powerful <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, I'm astounded I'm like keep going <laughs> <laughs> oh you're so kind <laughs> wow. Well, like I, I feel like we can keep talking about that quadrant for a long time, but I am excited to talk to, talk to you about um, the mastery quadrant because mm -hmm. I know that was something that we had kind of briefly discussed before as well, and you felt the same way about mastery the way I felt about independence. So I would like to look a little deeper into the spirit of mastery, which is the foundation of competence, and I would love to hear... Um, your take on that foundation provided by the definition things like that so please take us away on the um spirit of mastery i sure will okie dokie <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, the definition provided for the spirit of mastery again re uh, regarding the resource really honing in on that is the inborn thirst for learning is cultivated by learning to cope with the world the child can say I can succeed. So that's the that's the mastery point. I can do this. I can be successful. I can get to this point where I need to get to. So that's really is is key here. So this competence in traditional cultures is ensured by a guaranteed opportunity for mastery. Um, in this case, that means that children were taught to carefully observe and listen to those with more experiences. This is this is the conversations with say elders or knowledge keepers or folks within community, right? Um, so a person with a greater ability was seen as a model for learning, not as a rival. And I think that's key that, that it's an interesting take with our society and how jealousy is rooted in rivalry. 
oh, you know more than me, I'm going to feel insufficient or I'm going to feel inferior to you because I know you know more mm-hmm. and I'm jealous of that. So I'm not going to take what I need to do to self-reflect and be a better you know, person than where, where I'm coming from, right? So yeah. that's, sorry, that, that's just an insert already just reading this, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> it's good, I know. <laughs> it's interesting, so many connections. So each person strives for mastery for personal growth, uh, but not to be superior to someone else. Um, humans have an innate drive to become competent and solve problems. Again, that spirit of independence. Uh, with success in surmounting challenges, the desire to achieve is strengthened. So much. I know. That's why, that's why this got me. Like, that's why this made me feel so much needs to be unpacked here because I think that um a key notion here is as much as we want our children to honor their success honor where they need to get to they must first honor where the knowledge is coming from and how they will then take up that knowledge and that offers humility how does that humble you how does that make you feel connected to what you are learning where it's coming from, how are you going to honor what you're learning? How are you going to reciprocate that learning? Reciprocity, giving back. How are you going to give back, you know? And that's really key for us, I think, as educators. How do we want to give back to community? How do we, again, community, how do we want to give back? (laughs) Notion, how, how can we be a good individual in this way? But we still want our kids, again, to get to that place where they can say, self-affirming words like I am smart I am wise I am powerful I can do this Mm -hmm. but how do they get to that point without teaching humility you have to teach humility along with this notion of mastery and again that's being able to honor what has come before you and where it's supporting you to get you to where you need to go right Mm -hmm. so really connecting and I think that spirit is really important Um, I think with this too, it's connecting to the medicine wheel, of course, uh, as the quadrant is a representation of like the medicine wheel it is. But I think in this case, it's also connecting because when we're getting to the place of mastery, we're looking at ourselves holistically through the quadrant still too, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual. So are we feeling balanced when we're feeling this place of mastery? And if so, then that's medicine. But if not, what is out of whack? And how do we fix that? How do we get it to the place of balance? Mm -hmm. And how can that then support and engage with folks within community to get to that place of prosperity, right? Because that's what we want at the end of the day. So... It's just a couple things, you know, just a couple, couple ideas. <laughs> Very a few talking points. That... <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's just so important because we need to connect as community. We need to support community. We have to feel 
humbled by what we have been given, the the privileges we all have. How do we get to that place? Okay, well, I have this. How can I support this then? If I have this, how do I support this? So it's it's bigger. I think I think this this place of mastery is bigger than just the personal. Is still connected to community, and I think with the classroom community that educators create and foster, I think this is actually a very key teaching that needs to be supported. And and I think that teaching this mastery to be self confident needs to come from a place of humility and humbleness. And I think if that is done, we can get to the place again with. We need our kids to think about the community prosperity and how do we get there? How do we get there collectively? Right. So that's kind of what what I thought. But I'm curious to to listen to what what you you have thought for mastery though too. How do I even compare? <laughs> like wow, that was so like yeah. I was I saw when like it, like when we were reviewing notes and things like that, and I was looking through it. I was like. Incredible. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> the things that you were writing down and I couldn't wait for you to go off and and talk about them. And so thank you for your um your input and your and your understanding and how you want to you want to actively be able to show your knowledge on mastery and how you hopefully can transfer translate that to students and thing and things like that and into the into the community because there is a lot to unpack. And I think of the classroom as a community, or kind of like like a, a like a family, you know, because you do spend every day with each other for you know a whole school year, and that's a long time. And so, um, it, we hopefully do give the students a chance to say that I can succeed because we are with them for so long, and you know, I do. Uh, hope that students can feel that they are experts in some subject or some topic, or be able to say that they were able to master something from maybe either they're strong at that, like right at the get-go, or they are actively trying to better themselves in that area. Hopefully, with our support and and us encouraging them and things like that, um, but. We already. I feel like we we mustn't forget that children are already masters in something, and that that they're masters at being children. Like, you know, every when we and and that goes for like any grade because my niche is middle school, so I don't spend as much time. I guess with like the, I call them the littles. <laughs> I don't really spend as much time with the littles um, as some of my friends and colleagues or even uh, other teacher candidates who graduated with us do. Um, but I would still see that flow of imagination and free thinking and creativity in, you know, some of those grade six, seven, eight students where they have so much to say still, and they still have that like boundless um, thought process where they will go from one thought to another to another to another, mm. and, it's, and it has such an interesting connection. Where as an as an adult, I maybe wasn't able to follow as you know as clearly at first but the way that students are able to connect with each other and connect with the curriculum and things like that is incredible when you give a platform to a student to be able to express themselves where they yeah feel like they 
already are good at something and so they feel comfortable explaining it to a student or they do feel comfortable maybe presenting it to a class or they're excited to present it to a class to their class that's you know something incredible that hopefully we can foster in that mastery spirit so they say like I can succeed um and that you know we do honor that children are masters at being children you know first and foremost and that is something that that I hope we can we can foster that mastery for as long as possible even all the way like into high school and things like that you know eventually maturity and adult comes but just hanging on to that I guess pure child mm-hmm. excitement is something that I hope to see for as long as possible um, and <clears throat> I think there are many things about this spirit that we all can learn from um, particularly the kind of going back to when I'm saying that children uh, absorb a lot of things that we may or may not realize um, you know children being taught to carefully observe and listen to those with more experience you know is is what a teacher is you know the students are watching us and observing us and listening to what we say how we conduct ourselves when we make a mistake how do we fix that you know they are watching all the time and they absorb so people are role models whether they know it or not and whether they want that or not you know whether they, whether they want that responsibility or not I think we must realize that when there are children around us, we're a role model. And that is just, that's just the way it goes. <laughs> you know, they, they are watching, absorbing and repeating. And so any adult anywhere, whether you're a teacher or not, you have to realize that we all hold the responsibility of being a role model and um, how that affects students and children and things like that. And so. That kind of moves into how I find incredible value aligning myself with the outlook that each person strives for mastery, for personal growth, but not to be superior superior to someone else. Um, because like you were saying about that, that jealousy aspect or, you know, how people sometimes can feel down on themselves and like for not being as good as someone else um, or at certain things or in general like and we see this in the, and I, I mean I've seen this in the classroom a lot where yeah like you see students see their friends or see another uh, peer in the classroom be so good at something and you know you do see them cheer for them and that's awesome but then if you were to ask them and go up and do another presentation on it they might get self-conscious or be like mine's not as good as that or you know I don't know as much of, as them so mine's not going to be as good like that kind of thing so that that each person must strive for mastery for personal growth but not to be superior to someone else is something that I feel like if we need to say in plain terms to children like they need to just hear that in general just to say you can be good at something and someone else can be better at it than you but that doesn't make them a better person than you you know yeah. and and I think that that's something that children can really grow from and learn from. Um, 
and like for example I would say that you're a master at commanding a room and you demand respect and you're not timid by any means by conversation or people um, or being in front of people and I think that's such a treasure because I was telling Madeline before like I was so nervous to start but if it was anybody else I'd be even more nervous than I was but because you have such a way of um, being a master of communication and um, connected the connectivity I was like oh my gosh I'm gonna be okay so yeah so thank you for that as well and yeah I guess the spirit of mastery can just continue and keep going and there's lots of things that we could probably delve into <laughs> um, but I guess like at the end of the day we just also have to remember that we go to bed with ourselves every night and so yeah. if you're not growing to better yourself um, then like who are you doing it for you know, like yeah. if you're, if you're and, if you, and if you wake up every day um, and you don't have a goal, it's kind of like, well, maybe you should, you know, work on goals. And we as teachers always tell students to set goals and why are goals so important. And I know when I walk into a grading classroom and I kind of and it's a health lesson and I go, you know what, guys, we're working on goal setting today. They are just bored. <laughs> like they they do, they're like, oh, we've been doing goal setting since you were in like third grade like and but this is why it's so important to remind students about goal setting and we hope that it transitions to a habit for students mm. even outside of school um because the goals are a catalyst to achieving those feelings of success like in the other spirit um and it provides structure towards problem solving which is also in another spirit and in another quadrant and like the mental strength yes the connectedness and like the, the strength to persevere like yeah I feel like mastery is really one of those things where it's like where do you start in a quadrant it doesn't matter but I feel like where you end in the quadrant should maybe be mastery where you maybe can master all four of those quadrants together because balance is medicine like you said so oh. yeah so I feel like um that is uh, that's kind of like my take on that uh spirit of mastery and how that wraps up and concludes the I guess medicine wheel connectedness and all of that so that's kind of what I have to say. <laughs> yes. Oh. Sorry, I like rambled for so long there, but. Oh, I love it. I'm just listening. I just love you. <laughs> no, so thank you. To be it's so gorgeous. It's just so gorgeous. And your words are just so amazing. And, and like, yeah, oh I'm just like a little emotional right now, honestly. Like, that's how I'm feeling. And I think that's beautiful with it so I really do I really do appreciate um how holistic this is how amazing you are your kids are literally so lucky to have you as an educator because I know that you've also mentioned too that you know you are doing a lot of substitute teaching but still mm -hmm. at the same time too you're able to mold yourself and still get to the place of connection with your kids 
that really does offer such a wonderful opportunity for so many more kids to have you as an educator. I think that's so impactful and gorgeous and beautiful because you're able to go into a room, meet new kids, impact them in a way, and guess what you get to do the next day? You get to go into a new room, you get to impact new kids in new ways, and you're able to celebrate them in such gorgeous ways. Like, I personally would be very lucky to have you as an educator, and I really do appreciate going through university with you oh and having <laughs> we have. Because <laughs> it's just, you're gorgeous, and you're beautiful inside and out, and I really do appreciate the value you offer to education and the world of education. Have you considered going for your master's? Yes. Um, I okay. Have, uh, first of all, thank you. I wish, maybe you should like change your podcast. It just where Madeline makes you feel good for 45 minutes straight. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like that's what you need. Like, oh my gosh, she's been hyping me up for 45 minutes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I have thought about um, going for a master's. Not in education though. Um, in, in in different, uh, I guess, realms. I would like to go towards medicine a little bit more, um, but that's not something that I'm like sold on. I guess um, in especially in a time frame time frame right now. Like I hopefully can get my master's before I'm thirty. That that's kind of like the goal. Um, COVID definitely put kind of like a pause on that I guess um I'm someone who needs to be on campus and in a lecture hall and all of that stuff so godspeed to everyone doing online learning you guys are incredible um I can't do it <laughs> I, I would struggle but yeah yeah so master's is something that's on my to-do list when hopefully before I'm 30 and what sort of program maybe towards medicine but um, yeah I mean the, the reason why is because I find that your words are also very healing and I feel like the world needs more of it so I that's why that's why I asked but oh my gosh yeah. thank you <laughs> you're <Wow>. welcome <laughs> so if it's medicine that's perfect because that allows for healing in its own beautiful way hey so it's gorgeous that's gorgeous so lovely Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. Well, Maria, it has been an absolute honor and privilege and wonderful hour to spend with you tonight. Um, if, if folks who are listening, again, if you have any questions or anything, free to. Maria, again, thank you so much for being able to join me tonight. Um, do you have any last words or, or anything you'd like to, to share? I mean, I feel like we could we could really talk about this for like another like 20, 30 minutes, but I feel like we unpacked it a lot today and you've taught me a lot today and I would love to be able to take you, all the teachings that you've given me today and um, add them to my own philosophy and practice, do some my own like, research based on like the caring society and things like that. and. Uh, I mean, obviously, you and I are going to stay in contact because we're like, oh, yeah. so, um, so I'm not worried about that. And I know that, you know, you are also going to make such an impact to this world. So I feel very honored to be here. Thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast and for including me in your so like in your impactful conversations and topics that are 
important and I feel like do need to be discussed and for giving a platform to to different people in all walks of life and different stages of life and I think you're doing incredible things and I can't wait to see where you go I am following you forever and I'm like your cheerleader I can't wait to see all the incredible things you're going to accomplish in your life so thank you that means so much I'm yeah emotional again (laughs) (laughs) we do that (laughs) gorgeous Oh, Maria, truly thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining me tonight. Thank you, folks, uh, for watching, for listening. We hope that you took something uh, today. If not, that's okay. We hope that you enjoyed listening to us to self-care, even if that's what you took from this today. Um, again, thank you so much. And I hope uh, I hope you have a wonderful night. I hope the viewers also have a wonderful night. And thank you. Thank you.